we are beginning a new series uh, looking at the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to be in John 16, verses 1 through 11. And uh, so the, the text will be on screen behind me, but if you could please stand with me for the reading of God's word out of respect for God's word. This is John 16, verses 1 through 11. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, beginning in verse one, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Uh, There is a lot of confusion around the topic of the Holy Spirit, particularly uh, in our kind of Western American culture. Um, A lot of confusion. And I found out about this confusion that we have about the Holy Spirit the hard way. Um, So hear me out. This is a weird, weird one. But about 13 years ago, I went into a tattoo shop and I brought with me like a little logo of like a little symbolic idea of this of the holy spirit and it was a dove like a flaming dove in black and white okay the reason why the flaming dove has become our symbol of the holy spirit is because when jesus was baptized the gospels tell us that when the holy spirit came down on jesus it was in the appearance of a dove Okay, elsewhere in scriptures, it talks about like when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had what appeared to be like these flames above their heads. So, so there's this language that's used in scriptures, the dove, the flames. So we've kind of settled on this symbol as Christians of this flaming dove to be this symbol of the Holy Spirit. So anyways, I take that into a tattoo shop and I'm, I give them this simple design and I say, hey, I would like, uh, you know, I'm a Christian and I would love to have this symbol tattooed on me. And uh, so the, the guy's like, I got you, it's, it's all good. So uh, it's supposed to be black and white tattoo, just real simple. I lay down and uh, you can't always tell what a tattoo artist is doing when they're tattooing on you. You know, their hand is in the way and, and stuff, the machine's in the way. And so I couldn't really see what was going on. And about an hour into it, Uh, He says, hey, I'm gonna take a quick break and then we'll finish up after the break, but I really think you're gonna like what I'm doing here. I've decided that I'm gonna add some color. I added some color to the tattoo. And I was immediately thinking, well, (laughs) that's news to me, Uh, okay? And he says, yeah, I really think you're gonna like it. Um, I decided to make the flames kind of like orange and red, like Harley Davidson. (laughs) 
And that's when I realized that I had just gotten my first regrettable tattoo or was in the process of getting my first regrettable tattoo. So now I have Holy Spirit Harley Davidson dove uh, on my arm forever uh, instead of, um, you know, uh, the actual Holy Spirit. Uh, so the Holy Spirit's confusing. The Holy Spirit's confusing to some people. Apparently to tattoo artists and pastors, uh, the Holy Spirit's confusing. Uh, in some Christian circles, the Holy Spirit is all they talk about, right? It's like the Holy Spirit is just, they talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. In other Christian circles, uh, we've said that the Holy Spirit is the quote, forgotten God. You know, it's like we don't talk about him at all in some Christian circles. And here, while we've never said that we're not about the Holy Spirit, I think it's probably something that I need to grow in. It's probably something that we all need to grow in. Uh, The Bible mentions the Holy Spirit directly right around 100 times. And if you uh, include the indirect references to the Holy Spirit, you're looking at closer to about 250 times. So simply from the standpoint of wanting to emphasize what the scriptures emphasize, it makes a lot of sense for us to uh, look at the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, Also, over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna see that the Holy Spirit does a lot for us. The Holy Spirit um, does work in us, for us, work through us that could not be accomplished otherwise. Uh, The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. I know that many of you in this room have gone uh, through uh, uh, a study with Pastor Barry looking at the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. The Holy Spirit equips us uh, for building up his church. as we see here today in this text, it says that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, of uh, righteousness, and of judgment. So, and the Holy Spirit plays a significant role in our salvation. In John 6, Jesus says that the, it's the Holy Spirit that ultimately brings us life. So if the Holy Spirit is providing life for us, if the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us, making us more like Christ, if the Holy Spirit uh, is a primary focus in the scriptures, if the Holy Spirit is giving us spiritual gifts, okay, then all of those are just reasons enough for us to say, we should probably spend some time looking uh, at the Holy Spirit, but also add to that the timing of the text that we just read today. Okay, the timing of it. Um, This is right before Jesus is crucified. He's sitting down with his disciples and talking to them, right? I think this is actually the day before he's crucified, okay? Um, Pastor Tim Keller, who passed away just less than two weeks ago, uh, said this about death. He said, when you are about to die, you don't make small talk. You don't talk about the weather or what your favorite sports team will do next year. You talk about the most crucial and important things. So it's interesting to me that as Jesus is approaching his death, he ramps up his talk about the things that he thinks are important. One of those things was the Holy Spirit. So Jesus must think that the topic of the Holy Spirit is really important. And as we look at this text, John 16, one through 11, the first thing that we kind of see on just a foundational level that we all have to understand about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. 
okay? The Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit saying, when he comes, I'm going to send him. And one of the things that I think has happened in our culture, especially you know, when we think of the Holy Spirit as the forgotten God, is we often think of the Holy Spirit as a power and not a person. But the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. Yes, we believe in the personhood of God the Father. We certainly believe in the personhood of Jesus. But we, I think, forget sometimes that we're Trinitarian, that we believe also in the personhood of the Spirit. We'll talk about that a little bit today. We won't tackle that, min, that mystery of the Trinity in its entirety, but we'll talk about that a little bit here today. Um, so when Jesus is telling his disciples about the Holy Spirit, his description isn't just of a power, okay, but of a person. He says in verse seven, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so today, uh, our focus then is on three realities about who the Holy Spirit is. Three realities about who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, the Holy Spirit, the, the point one, we'll be talking about how the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. Second of all, Jesus says that the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit is an advantage over the presence of the person of Christ. And then lastly, Jesus says, that the Holy Spirit is a helper is, or an advocate, as some of your translations may say. So first of all, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. Notice what Jesus says in verse seven. Nevertheless, I, again, I tell you the truth. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or advocate will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. Jesus is essentially letting his disciples know, I am not abandoning, abandoning you. God is not abandoning you. Okay, he's making that clear to them. God is not abandoning you. Yes, I may leave, but God is still not abandoning you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you so that you know that God has not abandoned you. Beyond this text, we also see the scriptures uh, affirm the idea that there is a, you know, a Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is part of this Godhead or this Trinity. We see that in Jesus's baptisms. Uh, again, when Jesus is baptized, we see the Spirit uh, come down like a dove, right? And then we hear, uh, or we don't hear, but we see the scriptures tell us about how God the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So we see the three distinct persons of God in Jesus's baptism. That's in, in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, beyond that, uh, Jesus also ties the Holy Spirit in as part of the Godhead in Matthew 28, where Jesus tells his disciples, hey, as you go out and you're making disciples, make sure to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? Jesus doesn't say baptize them just in my name. No, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, or the, yeah, the Holy Spirit is an equal part of the Trinity. And I've got a graphic here uh, that I think could be helpful. Okay, so we've got the, the three distinct persons of 
God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And they're distinct from each other, right? The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son and vice versa. They're not each other, they, but they were all God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. Three persons making up one God, okay? But they're not each other. So hopefully that kind of gives you a, vis- a visual representation of the paradox. And there's mystery in this, by the way. How do, I don't understand how there's one God, but three persons. There's a little bit of mystery. I just trust that that's true because that's what scripture teaches. And so that's, that's what we, we believe. We worship one God in three persons. And this means then that the Holy Spirit being equally God as the Father and the Son, this means that the Holy Spirit is then equally worthy of your prayers, your adoration, your worship. He's a person, right? Not a power. He is God. So that's just kind of on a foundational level, um, something that we need to understand. But then secondly, Jesus says that the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit is an advantage over the presence of the person of Jesus. Now, I have to confess of all the things that I read in preparation for this sermon, when Jesus says that, that was the most mind-blowing thing to me that Jesus would have the audacity to say that it was a good thing. It was in fact an advantage for him to go away and for the spirit to come. He says it in verse seven, right? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That's what Jesus said. If I do not go away, the helper, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Um, Now, again, Jesus doesn't expound on this, so there's some mystery there, but there is certainly some understanding as well. Uh, First of all, what Jesus is not saying, Jesus is not saying that the Holy Spirit is more God than he is, and that's why it's an advantage. It's not what he's saying. He's not saying that the Holy Spirit uh, is more powerful than he is, or that the Holy Spirit is the most powerful part of the Trinity, and that's why it's an advantage. That's not what he's saying either. Uh, But the uh, advantage, there's a practical advantage in Jesus leaving and sending the Spirit because through the Spirit, we can all have access to God at all times. Jesus is saying that if he didn't leave, it would actually be a disadvantage to us, right? If that's how God was manifesting his presence to us in this world was through only the son, then right now, if you had wanted to go and experience the presence of God, if he hadn't left and sent the spirit, then you would have to pack your bags and get in an airplane and say, I'm, I'm going to meet with God today and I'm gonna fly to Israel and find Jesus somewhere you know, out there and, and I'm gonna meet with God, right? Well, that wouldn't, that's not exactly a, an advantage. That's a disadvantage, okay? So Jesus, what Jesus is saying is, hey, there's, there's gonna be an advantage here. When I leave, uh, my presence is gonna permeate throughout the entire world, right? And so, um, we have access at all times in real time to God through the Holy, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit where we're convicted, where we're encouraged. Um, it even says that the Holy Spirit in uh, I think it's Romans 8 is interceding for us. So even when, when I'm not praying and I'm not communing with God like I should, even then the Holy Spirit is doing a work for me and through me that I am not even aware of. 
so the advantage then is that millions of Christians all over the world can have daily, meaningful, constant access and fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. The other advantage, and we'll unpack some of this more here in the, in the last point, but the other advantage of the Holy Spirit is what the Spirit does with the works of Christ. Notice that the disciples never really changed the entire time that they were with Jesus. They spent some time with Jesus, years, like three years with Jesus. And they didn't seem to get a whole lot better. If anything, like near the end, they all kind of imploded. They abandoned Jesus. They just spent three years with the God of the universe with seemingly like little understanding and change that they took away from that encounter. Isn't that fascinating? But when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, you see like a change almost overnight. Like it's like, whoa, what happened to these guys? What happened? They were changed overnight. And it shows us that we need the Spirit. We say that one of the ministries or the works of the Holy Spirit is the act of sanctification or making us into the image of Jesus. It's one of the jobs of the Spirit. And so Jesus is oftentimes for us an abstraction. Jesus is, is blurry, he's intangible, and the Holy Spirit makes him a reality. We see Jesus with a kind of clarity that we could not have otherwise if it wasn't for the Spirit. Right, Jesus says um, to his disciples, have you uh, believed in me because you've seen me? Blessed are those, us, blessed are those who have believed and have not seen. And then he says elsewhere that nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And so there's this idea of, hey, even when Jesus is an abstraction, even when you haven't physically met Jesus, you're still able to see him with a kind of clarity because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. You have no ability to look at the cross and draw close because you see beauty in the cross unless uh, the Holy Spirit is giving you uh, the eyes, the lenses to see Christ in that way. Like, so let me put it this way. I have contact lenses in right now and I have to wear glasses when I don't have my contact lenses in. And if you were to take out my contacts or take off my glasses and set a treasure in this room, like a, a treasure chest and it's overflowing with gold and cash, millions of dollars, and you set it only 50 feet away from me but took off my glasses and my lenses. I could look out at all of you, I could look directly at that treasure, but I wouldn't have the eyes to recognize it as valuable because I'm blind. You know, I could look right at the treasure and you could tell me all about the treasure and I'd be like, I don't see it. I don't have the eyes to see it, right? But then you come along and you give me my contacts or you give me, you know, my glasses. Suddenly now you have given me the ability to see the treasure. And suddenly now I can say, I see the treasure in it now. I see the value now. Okay, now it's beautiful to me. Now I want it now because I can see clearly that's the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, giving us the eyes, the lenses to see Jesus clearly so that we desire him, so that we can see the beauty in Jesus. Third, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is a helper, is a helper. And again, some of your translations may say advocate. Um, 
And just in the same way that Jesus is given descriptive names, right? When we think of Jesus, we can also say, well, he's called the redeemer because that's what Jesus does. He redeems, right? And we also say that Jesus is our savior because he saves. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone because the church is built on Jesus, who is our chief cornerstone. So also the scriptures and Jesus are giving descriptive names to the Holy Spirit. And so he says that the Holy Spirit is a helper or an advocate, right? I'll read these verses again, John 16, seven through 11. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. So Jesus says here in this context that, one of the works or ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict. And the word convict there isn't like convict in a legal sense, like you're a criminal, like you're a convicted criminal. That's not how the word is being used uh, in this context. Convict here is this idea of to convince you or change your mind at a very profound core level. All right, so one of the jobs of the spirit is to change your mind on a really profound and core level about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. Um, and what we see here in this text is, and again, we're seeing it all throughout this text, is what theologians have often called the spotlight work or the spotlight ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the spotlight. Think about what that means for a second. What's the job of a spotlight? The job of a spotlight is to shine onto someone on a stage or even in the audience, right? To draw attention, to draw everyone's attention to whatever is in the spotlight. That's the job of the person running the spotlight is to spotlight something, to draw attention to that. And theologians have often said that the, the job of the Holy Spirit is to provide, to be a spotlight ministry, a spotlight work in us uh, so that we can see ourselves clearly, so that we see Christ clearly. That's the job or the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And we see that spotlight ministry at work here in this text. It says that the Holy Spirit spotlights and convicts us, changes our mind. Verse nine, concerning sin, he says, because they do not believe in me. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, they don't believe in me. They don't see their need for me because they don't clearly see me and they don't clearly see their sin. And when you don't clearly see your sin, you're not gonna believe in Jesus. You're not gonna see your need for Jesus. So first of all, he's saying the Holy Spirit spotlights Christ and spotlights our sin so that we look at our sin and say, oh my goodness, I need Jesus. I, 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 I see the work of the spirit drawing my eyes and attention to Christ and what he's done and versus my sin. And I recognize now I believe in Jesus, I need him. So that's one of the first things that Jesus talks about regarding this spotlight ministry of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, not just sin though, also concerning righteousness. He says in verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the father 
and you will see me no longer. And so Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit changes our mind at a profound level, not just about our sin, but also about our righteousness. And notice what he says in in conjunction with that concerning righteousness. He says, because I go to the father and you will see me no longer. So earlier today, um, Brad read out of John 14, when Jesus says, I will send you another advocate, another helper. And the implication is, okay, who's the first advocate? Who's the first helper? Well, Jesus is the first advocate. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm sending another advocate because I'm going to the Father to advocate for you. I'm going to the Father to become your advocate so that when God looks at you, I say to the Father, that person is covered under my blood, under my sacrifice, that person is covered. So Jesus is also advocating for you, for your innocence and saying what that person has done, their sin is under my righteousness, my blood. And so what the Holy Spirit is doing is doing is convincing us at a profound level that we should not be trusting in our righteousness. We need to change our minds, not just about our sin, but we need to change our minds about our righteousness. And the Holy Spirit convicts us and changes our mind about our righteousness and helps us understand that our advocate in heaven for us isn't our righteousness, it's Christ and his sacrifice for us. So the, the, the Holy Spirit is doing this work of convicting us, not just about our sin, but also about our righteousness and where we find our righteousness. And then lastly, he says that the Holy Spirit convicts us concerning judgment, because in verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And the Holy Spirit is reminding us convicting us, changing our minds about the nature of Jesus's authority, that Jesus is the true Lord and King, and even Satan, and the, who's the ruler of this world, uh, will be judged. And so this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's spotlighting Jesus. He's giving us a corrective lens, a corrective glasses, a correct, correct corrective contacts, tongue twister there, corrective contacts to see Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to help you see the beauty of Christ, to help you love Christ, to see um, Jesus. In, if you see Jesus in just a factual, historical, um, you know, intellectual, informational way, isn't enough. Right? That doesn't cause you to fall in love with Christ. It doesn't cause you to see the beauty of Christ, just having a bunch of data points right? Um, I just celebrated 20 years of marriage with my wife, which can you believe that? 20 years of marriage. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. She's tolerated me. Don't clap for me, clap for her. She's tolerated me all this time. Um, And uh, I know after 20 years, a lot of facts about my wife, all right? You guys know a lot of facts about my wife because we've been here now for a long time. A lot of you know my wife, and so you also know these facts about her. I'm gonna give you some facts that a lot of people in this room already know, okay? For example, uh, many of you know that my wife doesn't like chocolate. She just doesn't like chocolate. So it was easy for me, but she doesn't like, you know, oh, did you get your girlfriend or your wife chocolates? no because she doesn't like chocolate, right? So that's easy. She doesn't like chocolate, but she does love Christmas time 
and making Christmas cookies and Christmas music, everything about the Christmas holiday she loves. Many of you know that too, that my wife loves Christmas, hates chocolate, loves Christmas. Okay, my wife is also an introvert. Many of you guys know that too. She's very introverted, um, very happy to never see any of you. (laughs) And that's okay, okay? Um, But here's the thing. Simply knowing a lot of facts about my wife doesn't necessarily make you love her, right? So there's some people in this room that don't know my wife and me just giving you a bunch of facts about her, now you're not suddenly saying, oh my goodness, like, uh, your wife's amazing. I, I love your wife now that I know these facts about her, right? That's, that's not the way that it works. Um, but here's the thing. You know, facts about my wife aren't just facts anymore. They are to you. They are to you. But they're not to me, right? To me, they're points of beauty when I see my wife. Um, even her scars, her wrinkles, the gray hair that's starting to come in after 20 years, right? These are meaningless to you, meaningless data points. But to me, they're markers of beauty. They're precious to me because I have the eyes, the lens, the glasses, whatever, to see her in a way that none of you can, right? And as you have for your spouse, I look at some of your spouses and I'm like, They make it work. I mean, good for them, you know, right? Like I see the dudes in this church, you know, it's like, well, um, you know, good for, good for that guy. He did, you know, she sees something in him, right? So love is blind as they say, or, or, or maybe it's the opposite, right? Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we actually have clarity and we can see a person Uh, with a lens of beauty. I have the eyes and the lens to see my wife in a way that none of you can. She's beautiful to me in a way that uh, the facts aren't just facts. They're not just data points. She's beautiful. And that is what is happening with the Holy Spirit. That is the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to spotlight Jesus and to make him beautiful. The Holy Spirit gives us the eyes to see Jesus in a way that we couldn't before. I heard a pastor, uh, to exemplify this, I heard a pastor talk about and illustrate it this way. He said, you know, there was a woman that was coming to my church for, for a few years, in fact. She came regularly, and she participated in all the services. She read all the books. She sang all the songs. She wasn't, a, she wasn't a Christian. And then one day, something clicked. And she heard the gospel as she had many, many times before. And she believed in the gospel, put her faith and trust and hope in Christ. And she was talking with the pastor and saying, man, you know, um, this is wonderful I, I, I love that, we, that you preached about the gospel and showed us that, that it's Christ that we put our hope in, that it's not our own works, that we can look to Christ and his cross to save us, that he lived the life, right? That he died in my place, rose again. This is a beautiful, this gospel grace message is wonderful. And I just wanna know, like, why haven't we been talking about it for all this time that I've been here? I've been coming here and I've been singing the songs and reading the books and hearing the sermons and, 
it wasn't until just recent that suddenly I'm like, oh, wow, here's the gospel. Jesus, yeah, this makes sense now. And the pastor said, like, was kind of like, you should probably go back and read all those books again, listen to all those sermons again, sing those songs again, and then come back and let's talk again. And so she did. And she comes back and she says to him, oh my word, I see the gospel in Jesus everywhere and these old sermons and these books and the songs. How did I not see it before? How did I miss it before? What was going on? And it's like, well, the Holy Spirit wasn't doing a work in your life and wasn't giving you the lens to see Jesus clearly. It's been there all along, but it's not been until just now that you're beginning to see and understand. I feel that, I, that, that connects with me a lot in my story. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. My dad was a missionary. We lived in a foreign field. So my dad was sharing the gospel every Sunday, all the time. And on an intellectual level, I got it and understood it. But Jesus didn't become like beautiful to me until later in college, there's a professor that began to go through the beauty of the gospel as a whole class on the gospel. And for me, it was the first time that the lights came on and I was like, wait a second, Jesus is actually beautiful. Like I desire him now in a way that I didn't before. Where, where was this before, right? Well, it was always there, but for whatever reason, the spirit didn't turn that on inside of me until later in my life. And some of you have a story like that as well. Maybe where you wrestled with the Holy Spirit. I know there's people here that are Christians now that came to church for years and you wrestled with God and you wrestled and you wrestled. And, um, and eventually uh, by God's grace, God won that argument with you, that wrestling job with you. But this is the work of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus real to us, to make Jesus beautiful to us, to make Jesus desirable to us. That is his principal work. To equip us, as we'll talk about in weeks to come, to equip us with gifts, to build up and edify the church and to be God's ever continual presence with you, to be an advocate, to be your helper. And if we understood what Jesus was saying in this text, and if we, if his disciples understood what Jesus was saying, I think we would probably fall down to our knees in gratitude and worship saying, wow, wow. It was to our advantage for him to leave and to send the Holy Spirit. I think there would be a kind of hopeful curiosity around the Holy Spirit. And my hope here today is, you know, this is one of those sermons that's more of a teaching sermon than a preaching sermon. It's to give us more of a foundational foundation as we unpack uh, the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come. But my hope is that you're just a little bit more curious about the Spirit, that you find God a little bit more beautiful. And, you know, if there's anything that is moving in you today, uh, then uh, it's not my skills as a preacher, which are not very good today as you know, falling into a teaching role more than a preaching role. So if you sense any conviction today uh, or any um, aha moments here today, then you should probably pray, spirit, keep talking, right? Spirit, keep talking, keep doing a work in my life. Our prayer to the spirit should often be, Lord, help me see myself more clearly as I am. Help me see Christ more clearly as he should be in my life. 
So this is kind of uh, the introduction to our series here in the Holy Spirit. Um, And we're transitioning now to our time of communion. And our time of communion is a weekly reminder for us that it wasn't just the Holy Spirit that saves, right? It's the entirety of the God, it's the entirety of the Trinity that did work for us in order for us to be made alive. And so for Christ, um, his body was broken. The scriptures tell us that on the night, the same night that he's talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, the same day that that's going on, he also tells his disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you to do this in remembrance of me. And he takes the cup and he says, and this is, this represents my blood, which is poured out for you and to do this in remembrance of me. And so um, we remember the work of Jesus on our behalf. Um, and you can participate in this. If you're uh, someone who's a Christian, you can come forward. You don't have to be a member of our church, but you do have to be a believer. And you can participate in this by coming forward and taking a piece of the bread and dipping it in the wine or the juice as your conscience permits. Uh, there's also, if you have a gluten intolerance, there's gonna be uh, some gluten-free options on this side over here for you as well. Um, let me go ahead and pray and the band will come and we will uh, take communion together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, and we're thankful that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that our hearts could be made alive, as you say in John 6, that we would have the eyes to see you clearly, to see Christ clearly, to see ourselves clearly, to see each other And I just pray that as a church that we would dive into the realities of the Holy Spirit with a sense of curiosity, um, openness, Lord, to what may need to change in us as we um, look at the Holy Spirit, commune with the Holy Spirit. So Father, I just pray that these realities would be made real to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, but also the person of the Holy Spirit. It's in these things that we pray in Jesus' name, amen.